it was really crazy because I always wore my shirt and my friends were like, do you ever change clothes? They always like, man, change your clothes. I'm like, no, this is this is who I am. I'm wearing this shirt. I, I went into the bank and that shirt started the conversation. A clothes I was wearing helped her quit her job. I was supposed to be there that day for you. I was supposed to be wearing this shirt that day for you. And that first deal, she was like, you don't know how much this means to me because the check allowed her to really just walk away from her job. And she was able to be like, I'm out. I'm quitting. I'm going to actually do this. The smile on my face, seeing somebody succeed like that was, was amazing. What is up, everybody? So we're coming at you with another episode of Behind the Deal. We've got Mr. Brady Winder on the call. What's up, Brady? How's it going, Trevor? And we've got Mr. Bo Hollis uh, returning for the third, the third uh, Behind the Deal. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Glad to be on here. I love it. So if you guys if you guys have, uh, have are on the YouTube version or on the Facebook version, and if you're uh, not just on the podcast version, guys, there's a big upgrade uh, visibly on the show. We've got a logo now, a fancy logo now. We've got some colors. So awesome work, Braden, Brady, uh, the whole crew on on uh, taking us to like professional level now. So good work. I like it. I like awesome. it. I like it. Yeah. Thanks, cool. Man. So I'm I'm gonna set the stage a bit, guys, and we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna dive in. So uh, welcome to Behind the Deal. Behind the Deal is our new biweekly show. Uh, shoot, we're in episode. Is it four or five, Brady? Around there. This is five, something like that. Five. Uh, I, I like it. So we're going to be taking you guys behind the scenes of actual deals. So hence the name behind the deal. And we're going to be walking you through kind of telling you what this specific deal is going to be. But it's all a really, really cool story. Uh, Bo's going to have a chance to tell you. And we've got a really cool video behind this deal. If you're listening on the podcast version of this, uh, what I want you guys and gals to do is make sure to go to YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube. Find us over there. Carrot. You can just probably look it up. Carrot. Investor Carrot. You'll find our channel. Hit subscribe over there. And then do the same thing over to Facebook. Go over there. Uh, find us on Facebook, just look up Carrot or Investor Carrot, and then hit follow because we do these every other Thursday, uh, 12 o'clock noon Pacific time. And we want to show you guys exactly the steps of how a lead is attracted, uh, what happens with the conversations with the sellers, how our clients are serving these sellers well, so you can learn how to do the same thing. Uh, any of the kind of weird parts about the deal, the cool parts about the deal, how the deal was closed, all the numbers, it's all going to be broken down on here. And so, guys, make sure you go subscribe to both those channels, YouTube and Facebook, so you can get the quick notifications. Be on here live so we can answer your questions. But we've got a returning guest today, like I said, uh, Mr. Closer, Bo Hollis, out of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Mr. Brady Winder over there, uh, who is the producer of this whole show. And he's got always amazing, amazing things to say uh, because he's not an investor. And so he catches things I don't catch or Bo catches uh, or Bo doesn't catch either to make sure we're pulling out the right information from you guys. But um, Brady, dude, how the heck are things going this week, man? This is my first time, you know, really back into content day. I guess last week a little bit, but uh, I've been out for a few weeks and gone and how things going, man? That's going great, man. Been uh, It's kind of cool that we've been able to keep the content machine rolling while you've been in and out. I think it's a testament to evergreen content, so it's pretty cool. Yep. Having a good production schedule, but podcast is going. Uh, loved last week's episode with Anthony, the zombie house. That was DM. a fun one, man. That, that was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that was fun. Next week, we got Keith coming on. He's going to be talking about um, 
we're calling this one the top dollar teardown, you know, paying mm. top dollar for something that probably should be torn down. So that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, it's going good. I'm excited for this one. Did we, we haven't talked about what, what this deal is, right? Nope. Yeah. That, dive into okay. that and miss that part. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you're good. Um, this is the, I quit my job deal. So Bo, Bo, you've been a solo dude for how long? How long have you been um, flying solo as an investor? Uh, off and on, mainly solo. I've, I've had teams uh, off and yeah. on, but majority yeah. is, um, most of my life has been pretty solo. You have, yeah, you have a team, but it's interesting. Your team is not necessarily employees all in the office. You work with, you know, your attorney, other people. That's your quote unquote team. Yeah, I have, I have a totally different business model than a lot of other people. A lot of people have in house, uh, big big teams, right? They have big teams who run their stuff, and I've kind of structured my business towards. I uh, hand off a lot of things to attorneys and different people like that. So that's pretty great. So you finally got an acquisitions gal and I want to, uh, well, if it's in the video, then feel free to skip over it. But do you want to give us a teaser on this whole, I quit my job deal and how you're scaling the team and helping somebody else find freedom or you want to just roll the video? It's up to you, man. Let's roll the video and let's just, uh, let's just dive into this video and just kind of see where that takes us. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is going to be awesome. We did it. Yes. So a couple months ago, I walk into the bank to deposit a check from one of my wholesale closings. And I go to the teller and I deposit my check. And right when I'm about to walk out of the bank, there's a girl standing there with an iPad. I met Bo probably maybe like three months ago, literally. I met him, I work at a bank right now. I was just in the lobby one day. I had just got done talking to one of the bankers, came out and he literally was, just walked just, in the building. I was yeah, wearing this wearing shirt. That shirt. You know, I'm wearing this shirt actually. I'm like every day, this is like my outfit. And she stops me and says, hey, do you buy, you really buy houses? I was like, house buying guys, do you buy houses? I said, yeah, I actually do. And she goes, well, that's really cool. I've always been into that. I've always been into real estate. But, you know, I really have thought a lot about getting involved in real estate. And she goes, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm not a realtor. Um, I do what's called the wholesaling. And she was like, no way, that's what I'm talking about. I said, you know what, I actually have a meetup uh, in a couple a couple days and I would love for you to come to our meetup. We host a real estate investing meetup. We have a great group of investors in town, landlords and great wholesalers and flippers and a lot of different people. And I said, I would love for you to come. And he was like, we well, should come to my event on Monday. And then I went to the event and the rest and I feel like I just dove headfirst in. So fast forward a few weeks and we get her into the office when you're wanting to learn how to do something, whether it's you know real estate or anything, is just to jump in and take lots of imperfect action and just, just jump in and do it. And she was able to do that. She came in uh, after work and we would put her on the phone and the dialer and just get her to start talking to people. I got a list of all of our carrot leads that had come in. We get her on the call, get her on the dialer, and she's starting to call through some of these leads that are some of our older leads that we haven't been able to talk to people. And I just wanted to get her um, immersed in the culture of talking to people. And one of the very first few people that she talked to was this lead that came in uh, to our business through Carrot on our website in florida it was a virtual wholesale deal so we did this deal together virtually actually yes. it was actually a, a deal that we each of us have never seen before she was 
kind of flipping out like, oh my gosh, this person actually wants to sell their property. And it was her very first time talking to a seller, talking to uh, tenants. She was able to get all the details and gather all the proper information about the seller's property, about their situation. She was even able to send this seller a contract. So she set up the inspection, she talked to the seller, she talked to the tenants, and we did everything all the way through. That is how she got her very first check. Oh my God. She just did her very first wholesale deal with me and the deal worked out and she got her very first paycheck. And we were both extremely excited because she quit her job. She quit her job at the bank and now she is full time talking to people and now she's a house buying girl. Oh, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> take my picture. <laughs> I'm so excited. Dude, so one, one of the cool things there, I mean, we're gonna break down that deal like we always do. I, I wanna hear how, a bunch of things, I wanna hear how she went and talked to the sellers, any, any things that you did with her to get over the nervousness of doing that, like all, all those types of things. But there's a couple of really, really cool things there. One of them, Bo, you had mentioned was these were, this deal that got closed was uh, a, a carrot lead that had come in and it was it, it was a follow-up lead that hadn't been closed yet. So I definitely want to dig into that because I know there's a lot of our clients out there who are getting these leads and they are not touching them. They're, there's deals that are in their database that they're just letting sit there. But let me toss over to you, Bo. Uh, so a question here, it was really cool. What was your first uh, interaction when she started to approach you about learning how to do real estate? Because there's probably other investors out there too that, that see people coming to them that maybe are pushing them away to go, hey, they're going to waste my time. Like, how did you know she wasn't going to waste your time or did you maybe not know that? No, I, I'm, I'm, this is an honest podcast, right? This is an honest thing that we do here. And I just want yep. to tell every, every feeling that I ever have, right? Um, so this is my day job, right? We, we go out and we look at these houses all the time. And I mean, if I had a dollar for every person who said, hey, I just want to pick your brain, right? I would probably have at least $9 by now or something. Yep. <laughs> no, I would have a lot of money uh, because you know, a lot of people, they want to get with us and talk to us and go to lunch or breakfast with us and just talk about what we do. And, you know, it's hard to say yes to every person because then our day, then our days would be very difficult. So I met her at the bank and what I did was I said, Hey, I want you to come to my meetup. And she came to the meetup with her mom and mm -hmm. which I thought that was really cool. I was like, okay, wow. She actually is, she's slightly serious about this. And I thought that was pretty cool. She sat in the front row and she was taking notes. And wait, uh, wait, wait. She, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but like, why, why the mom? What was the dynamic? Like, does she want to bring her mom in, get her involved in real estate investing I think, too? I think, you know, just being honest, I think like, hey, mom, I'm going to this random strangers meetup. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> this guy, yeah. you see, like a psycho killer. You know, I think the mom probably came out of, um, you know, just making sure her daughter's safe, kind of a thing. For sure. That, that I would assume that. You know, that's yeah. just my assumption. And uh, that this is a normal guy that he's just not some weirdo. <laughs> and so uh, the mom came, they sat and they were really eager. And then what I did was she was like, what's next? So I had her, uh, I set up a meeting with my attorney and I had her go meet with my attorney and they just talked about what we do in a general sense, just so she can understand, Hey, this guy's serious. Um, and that kind of a thing, right? I wanted her to be understanding of, just what the world is like without me having to spend all my time breaking down the ones and twos of wholesaling. So then she's like, what's next? I'm like, well, 
you know, she just seemed so eager. I was just like, you know what? Here, if you want to do this, you can join my little Facebook group is where I have like some coaching students and stuff like that. And I said, how about you do that first? That was a first step. So she did all of that. She got in my Facebook group and she just followed all the instructions of just like the basic things about real estate and some videos I make for them. And she did all that. And she started getting some traction of just she was not afraid just to fail forward. Mm. And I really I saw I appreciated that. Right. She wasn't just um, saying you know, I don't know what to do. She was just trying. And then I said, you know what? I saw that. I'm just going to have you call these leads. And that's how the relationship kind of started was here, just call these people. And I knew she would just do her best. And that's all you can ever ask for. I think, you know, from an investor standpoint is when you put someone on here and say, Hey, you sit in this chair and you call these people. It's as simple as that. And she did that really, really well. And I could, I really appreciated someone who just, who really mm -hmm. just tried. Because that's what I did when I first started was I knew nothing. I just – I was so afraid, and she she did the same thing. She just was like, I'm afraid, but I'm going to do what you say. Mm -hmm. Were you giving her a list? Were you giving her a list to cold call with a script, or was she following up on leads that you already spoke At with? the beginning, she was just cold calling her own stuff. She was just trying to do her own own stuff like that. And then once I saw she was being really consistent, then I gave her my, my list of carrot leads. Mm. And that's how she got into that. And um, – she called this guy um, virtually, which we had never, you know, I still haven't seen the house. Um, and, you know, it was a, a very interesting thing. And she talked to him. She's like, she came to my office and she was like, hey, I think I have, I think I have a deal. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I kind of thought <laughs> if I'm being really honest, you know, you, a lot of times new wholesalers, they can think every person who says, yes, I want to sell my house is a deal. Mm, right. Yep. Every per when you're new, you think someone who says, oh, yeah, I'll sell my house. You, they're like, oh, God, it's a deal. You know, you think that's a deal. And that's what I thought. Um, plus, because I didn't live in Florida. Right. So I just kind of it's a little bit of a temptation to kind of write off some of those things as not necessarily hot because you can't you don't know the market, mm. you know, virtually wholesaling. So and then once I actually sat down with her to look at this deal. I was like, wow, oh, what? Then we called the seller again, and it was a unique story. The seller, you want me to just jump into this like this on this on the deal? Dude, yeah, let's, let's break it down, man. Yep. Okay, so the seller had filled out a form on the site, uh, I guess from just a Google search, and found us, filled out step one and step two of the carrot forms. And if you don't know what those are, it's like for step Form one is like the very first form on a website that takes you to the next step. And if they're super serious sellers, they'll also fill out the very next form on the website as well, giving them more detailed information to fill out, which would then come to me in an email. And this seller did both of those things, called him. And when we got on the phone with him, he's, um, I said, you know, why are you selling this house? And I'm just walking through just the very basic stuff with her again. Um, because she did miss a couple of those little details, you know, which we all do at the beginning. And he goes, well, my wife passed away. And I'm like, you know, I'm incredibly sorry to hear that. And a lot of times those things will catch you off guard. And um, I said, man, I'm so sorry. Um, I said, well, what's the next couple of days look like for you where maybe we can talk a little bit more? And he's like, well, I'm doing funeral arrangements. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was like caught me big time off guard. I'm like, whoa, let's back up a second. <laughs> And he was like, she just passed away yesterday. And I had to stop for a second and be like, whoa, man, like your wife passed away and like you're getting into this. I said, when is a good time for us to communicate again? And he was like, next week, 
which for me personally, like my personality does not like that. I, my personality is like, no, that's, that screams, this is not going to be a deal Hmm. just from me in my personality. Some people are like, cool with that. They're cool with that. I am not, but I said it for the situation. You throw your personality out the window. And I did exactly what I had her do exactly what he said. He said, call me next Wednesday or something like that at like (laughs) two o'clock in the afternoon. She did that. She got more information about the property, which it was a tenant occupied property, two beds, two bath um, in Newport, Ritchie, Florida. Hmm. And uh, he sent us some pictures. He lived about an hour away from there. And uh, we said, I told her to say, hey, if I can get this house for eighty five thousand, which he said, that's what he wanted. And I told her, I was like, well, you know what? I'm not even going to negotiate with this guy. He's been through a lot. And I feel like this is just a fair price to pay. So let's just pay the price. And she was like, really? And I said, yes. I said, just call him, send him a contract, tell him you'll pay 85. So she sent him a contract and he didn't sign it for like two days. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be a deal. This is good. Who? Well, he just, I don't know what he was doing. I didn't ask him, but he finally signed the contract. And she came back to my office and she was like, he signed it. He signed it, you know? And that was really exciting. Well, then, um, things progressed onto the disposition side of things and selling this deal. I got a couple questions specifically about the deal, but first what's, what's itching me. Is that a thing? Is that a phrase people say? What's itching me? <laughs> it, it is now, dude. It, it is, is now. now. What's itching me it's itching. is <laughs> what I mentioned to ask you, Bo, is what was it like helping her get that first deal? What was that like for you? Like, what was that feeling like? I just helped someone like they quit their job. That's huge. I used yeah. to work at a bank, so I can relate. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was really it was really crazy because you know a lot of my friends, you know, people are like they're always which today oddly I'm not wearing my my shirt, which I always do, <laughs> uh, except today I was just like you know what it was chilly out I'm I'm just gonna wear this shirt, uh, but I always wear my shirt and my friends are like do you ever change clothes I'm like do you always wearing the same clothes every day and I'm like yes I wear the exact same shirt I have a bunch <laughs> of them and I wear the same shirt all the time. And uh, they always like, man, change your clothes. I'm like, no, this is this is who I am. I'm wearing this shirt. And I, I went into the bank, and the that shirt started the conversation, right? The shirt actually started the conversation, and which then allowed her to start the conversation with me, which allowed her to get on the calls with me, which allowed her to get her first deal. So like the shirt, like what I was wearing, just a, a clothes I was wearing helped her quit her job. And I was like, Madison, this is, I was supposed to be there that day for you. I was supposed to be wearing this shirt that day for you. And that first deal, she was like, you don't know how much this means to me because the check allowed her to really just walk away from her job. And that may have been one of the happiest moments in a really, really long time for me because she was able to be like, I'm out. I'm quitting. I'm going to actually do this, which the smile on my face, just talking about it and watching these video was just seeing somebody succeed like that was, was amazing. It's amazing. Hmm. Dude, the the feeling is, I mean, the one question that pops up, you know, around that topic too is, well, shoot, why, why would someone who's successful already uh, carve out time to teach someone to do something like this, right? The, the, the objection that comes up is, why don't you just go do the thing? Like, why don't you just go do more deals or, you know, grow a bigger software company or something instead of teaching someone? But 
I, I know for me, number one, this is going to help Bo buy back some time, this strategy potentially, because he didn't follow up on that lead like he, likely because he didn't have the time to do it. And so someone had to follow up on those leads. So that's going to help grow the business and, and also uh, have a better yield and ROI from his leads that he's already getting. Uh, but also, dude, they're, they're just like joy in helping people. You can only you can only get so much joy with every extra dollar that goes in your bank account. There's massive diminishing returns and it's way lower than, than you guys and gals think it's way lower of a dollar amount. Uh, it's not once you get to a million and every dollar up to a million, it's, it's joyful. No, it's like once you get past 70, 80, 90,000 bucks, then pretty much every dollar after that doesn't really bring much, if any more joy to your, to your life. And so being able to help someone else get to those milestones is massively, massively impactful. And I love it. So I'm sure that that feeling, man, was probably uh, really popping up, especially when you gave the check. You could tell you were pumped, man. You were pumped. Oh, man. It was a great feeling knowing that I'm giving her considerably more mm-hmm. than she was making at her bank in months. Yep. Like the check I gave her was more than many months pay, mm-hmm. which was mind blowing to her. You know, yep. she's like, this is the biggest check I ever got in my life. Mm. Yep. And to me, that was like, oh my gosh, like this matters. What mm. we do actually matters. It's really important. So what was your, Oh, go ahead, Trevor. No, you're good, dude. Get it. Oh, what was your, what was your business model like before bringing her on? Cause I was kind of curious, like, why'd you wait so long to bring on an acquisitions person, but more so you do have a unique team that's different than how most investors would go about. Like, were you intentional about like, I don't want employees. This is kind of the team I want. Or did the attorney fall into your lap? Like how'd that structure come into play? Uh, we'll start the attorney part. The, I built my relationship with my attorney just over time, uh, taking basically strictly all my volume to this one attorney, just building that relationship out, which then allowed me to kind of expand with that attorney. And they have an understanding of how I work. And I just bring all my business there. And I obviously bring people there to their business. And I'm like, hey, if there's people say, what do you need to do? And what's a good attorney to use? And I always say, this person is a good person. So uh, you know, our volume and the investor volume of this attorney is is quite large. We do a lot of business with them and they treat us really, really well. So that has mm-hmm. developed over years uh, with that attorney. And uh, one of the reasons why to answer that question of why I haven't done acquisitions. Um, so there's two things. Uh, the one I have had acquisitions in the past. Um, I have done that in the past. It's just you know, it's just one of those things where you have them, you don't. And I haven't prioritized um, having a huge growth team and like running like a boiler room style, Wolf of Wall Street style, ringing the bell style office. That was not my not my style, right? It's just mm-hmm. I didn't. That doesn't matter to me. I don't. If you if you have that, that's cool. But it's just it's not something that really is for me personally. Was it the lifestyle? Uh, was it the feeling you wanted? Was it what you yeah, wanted to show? Yeah, I like. I like this business. And a lot of times people pride themselves on not liking this business so they can get out of it. I actually like what I do. I actually like talking to sellers. I like interacting with people. I think because people is the core of what we do as, as, as a business. And once you get outside of that, um, what am I going to do with my time? Cause I think we are, you know, there's a portion of us that we are built to work. Uh, and I like working. I like doing what I do. So, 
Uh, I'm not going to take other people's advice that, hey, I just need to get outside of my business all the way outside of my business mm-hmm. um, because, you know, what? I do enjoy what I do. So I have enjoyed interacting with people, working with people, and that is something that I actually am, am really good at. So that's something that I have. I just enjoy doing that. So that's the reason why I haven't hired someone to do that necessarily because I like it. I like talking mm-hmm. to people. It's fun. Yep. yep. Mm. Dude, this this is cool. So so Deborah uh, on live here, she popped in this comment, and, and hopefully Deborah, you're cool if I if I share it. But Deborah says, uh, I would love to get a first deal before my my job forced um, retired me. Do um, getting a hurt, uh, getting a job, need some quality mentoring to see where I've been going wrong. Let's do this, man. This would be kind of cool. So let's break down step by step every part of this. So the lead part of it, uh, do you remember, Bo, did this particular lead, was it a Google SEO lead? Was it a paid lead? I can't, I think this is probably SEO, right? Since it was a Florida it was, Yeah, lead. yeah, it was SEO and um, uh, of some sort of a SEO yep. Google search. Um, yep. To the extent of that, I'm not exactly positive. Cool. Yeah, yeah. so someone went, well, someone went to Google, did a Google search in some way, shape or form in the Florida market, which isn't his primary market. And that's no, probably no. a whole nother call there, kind of breaking yes. down this accidental lead source. I'm pretty sure this is one of those accidental no. lead source ones, right? It's an accidental lead source. And so, <laughs> you know, to, to not go down this rabbit hole, yeah. it would have been very easy for me just to write this deal off. Mm-hmm. Really just to be like, you know what, it's not my market. I can't drive over there and look at it. It's, I don't know anybody to go look at it. And it'd be really simple to do that. So if you're watching this to end the conversation here, do not write the leads off. Just do yep. the job. Because there there was a while I remember when we were on some calls where you were getting leads in some other states, New Jersey, Florida, some other ones. And and at least in the early days, I don't think you were really doing a lot of follow up on them. Right. Because you're like, well, how am I getting these leads? What a dope. <laughs> but, but you started and you're closing deals from money straight cool. down the toilet like what <laughs> guys so that's lesson number one is no matter where you're getting your leads from and that's something that does happen with carrot and on the on the online side sometimes like there's random reasons why someone landed on your website even if they're in a different market it could be that they searched your name and you have the same name as this other investor in another area or whatever it is right uh, it could be because the ad targeting that you have maybe is a little bit off and they, and it's four states over or something like that. So take those leads and then make sure that you are finding a way to collaborate with someone else in that other market if you don't want to follow up on the lead yourself. Uh, but there are deals there because there's people in those markets that would pay to get that same lead that you got that you're throwing away. 100%. So, yeah, so take that lead. Lead came in. How long was it um, in follow-up before, or how long was it in your guys' database? You used InvestorFuse. And so how long was it in InvestorFuse before she had made the call to them? Actually, only about two days. Okay, quick. It was, it was actually pretty rapid because it was just, I'll say this, uh, just for full transparency, um, I've, I would have probably let this lead roll uh, if I wouldn't have had this moment to sit down um, with her, it was just a perfect scenario. Yep. It was just perfect timing. We sat down right after the lead had come in and I'm like, let's just call this guy. Just mm-hmm. for full transparency, see people cool. just to know, like I possibly could have let this deal go yep. if I wouldn't have had all of this happen with me meeting her and all that kind of stuff. So it just was perfect. So I don't want everybody to think, oh my God, it's just everything works out for him because uh-huh. no, it doesn't. It just was perfect. Um, and that's how we got this deal. So that that's really cool, man. So this would have been one that probably wouldn't have been followed up on if you didn't have the extra hands, the extra help, someone who was eager to make the phone calls and talk to you. Unfortunately, yes. I'm just being cool. straight and honest with people because I want people to know the truth. Like yep. it's very true. 
So one, one concept that I have, I talk about in my webinars and in my podcast, I have a concept called phantom expenses. And a phantom expense is an expense that is actually in your business. It's, it's an expense that is actually uh, money that should be in your bank account, but is not. And we aren't, we don't know, we don't even know that that money should be in our bank account. That's one version of a phantom expense is a lead that's not followed up on. You know, there's other versions of phantom expenses, which is an under optimization of part of your marketing um, you know, funnel. It could be under optimization of your website. It could be under optim optimization of your ad, of your follow-up, of what's said on a call, things like that. So in this example, that was a phantom expense that got filled uh, and you went, cool, no longer is it a phantom expense. This cash is going in our bank account and we're actually going to help this seller, which is really cool. So yes. there's other ones as well. Um, I'm curious about Bo. So th this is a, this deals a new unique situation where unfortunately the seller's spouse passed away. Yeah. Um, so I know follow-up is different on this deal, but you're someone, you said you love talking to people, how, you know, two days went by between when you contacted them, when he signed the contract, what's a normal amount, like how much, how often would you usually text someone in that two day window or call them? Yeah, or Average amount of contact between the, the first initial contact to to actually getting something under contract is probably up to 20 times. I would say mm -hmm. seven to 15 times ish that you're going to have to contact somebody uh, yeah. because you don't know what's going on in their life. You know, they just may have missed a call. They may be working, you know, they're probably not waiting around saying, oh, why haven't they called? You know, uh, they're probably busy. You know, I have a seller right now doing that to me after I've, I've made the offer. I can't get a hold of this person. They said yes on the offer, but they're just, I don't know what's happening. You know, just, so you got to be faithful and just keep following up and good things will happen after that. And yeah, when it takes a long time. And dude, so when you're talking about follow-up, because this might give people some really specific things to do, uh, what is that mix? Is it always picking up the phone and calling? Is it text messaging them manually with your cell phone? Is there automations you have in place with investor fees? Kind of what does that follow-up look like if it's you know 10 to 20 uh, follow-ups to get that contract? So I like, um, for a new person, I, I don't want a new person to use systems. I, mm -hmm. I, I know that maybe that sounds a little bit old school, but I want you to get in the habit of writing things down. I want you to put it in your calendars. I want you to get in the habit of doing it yourself. So that way you can understand how the process works. I want you to understand what it takes to actually be successful because you can't train somebody mm -hmm. to be successful in this if you'd have no clue, right? You just can't automatically just get in the business. You've never done it mm -hmm. and treat, teach somebody else how to do it. So yep. I like it. Use your phone. It's a great tool. These little mini computers in our pockets. Put it in the uh, put it in your calendar and say, "Hey, I'm going to follow up with uh, Trevor on on Thursday at two o'clock." Cool. And then write it, use a pen and paper, write it down. You know, write all the stuff down. And um, so I will follow up just manually through calling. We'll call the people, and we will leave voicemails if we have to. We'll send many text messages, and a lot of my text messages will be a little bit, um, I'll say, sly. Would mm -hmm. be a good word. Um, because say that someone hasn't been ignoring me um, and I know that they're just not wanting to deal with the situation or something like that. I'll say, Hey, sorry, I missed you. You know, I'm available again, mm. you know, okay. taking mm. the responsibility back off of the seller. Like, cause a lot of that's a heavy load. Now yeah. it's like, Oh wait, now they feel so bad for ghosting you for three weeks. Now they have an opportunity and a, a fresh start yep. to now open that line of communication again. Once you've taken the, uh, the, the kind of a negative feeling of, oh, I just ghosted this person, totally ignored him for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And now after that, I just said, hey, 
I'm sorry I missed you. Now they said they can call back and be like, it's no big deal that they just totally ignored the last 30 calls. Dude, so that that's a great point because I, I think we can all probably relate to the experience of us both being ghosted and us inadvertently ghosting somebody else. And I, I know I, I've had that experience where I had full intention of replying back to somebody. Uh, shoot, you as an example, Bo, I need to get back to you on that text message from a few days ago. So we need to set up a call this week. I inadvertently ghosted you. And so, so, so hey, Trevor, I've been busy, man. I've been, I've been really busy. I, I, sorry, I didn't waste your call. Yeah, exactly. So that's how it would go. And, and I can totally relate to that because when you are on the other end where you haven't replied back to someone, whether it's in a work environment or not, it, it is kind of weird because you have to feel like you as that person calling back have to now justify, apologize, and then own up, break that ice. Yeah, own up to something. And so yes. that's really good because you're breaking the ice. You're giving them permission to say, hey, you know what? Yes. No biggie. I'm not going to think anything less of you. Let's just find a way to connect. Uh, so that's really, really good figure out a way to do that and just figure out a way to give them grace because they probably mm-hmm. need grace in their situation just to um, make poor choices, maybe mm-hmm. not do the things that you think they should do and just follow up, follow up, follow up text messages. If you got their email, send them an email and always just don't get, just don't give up. Just keep yep. going, going, going until they tell you absolutely no. So cool. y- you mentioned new wholesalers, you know, think like every lead is going to be a deal. Is there anything different than what you just described? Are you doing anything different uh, to try and find out more quickly if it's a motivated lead? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Besides that follow-up? Yeah. So one of the things that um, we want to find out immediately uh, whether or not we want to get on the phone with somebody and we want to find out, hey, what's your situation look like? What does this look like to you? You know, we reached out to you or you reached out to us. What does that look like? And we just want to go through the kind of the litany of questions that we have about their situation, their house, all of those kind of things and find out if it's a good fit for us. I let people know right up, right up front, hey, I'm a real estate investor. You can go through our website and you can look at all our stuff. And we do a couple things with houses. We, we buy a house and we'll flip it. Uh, typically those houses are in need of repairs of some sort. So we're looking for houses like that to flip. Uh, and that's how one of the ways we make money. The other ones, we would buy properties and we will rent them out and we keep them long-term. And another way is some of our partners will either do one of those two things. Uh, so po- potentially three ways that we can buy the house. So that is what we're looking for, you know, and then letting them know upfront our intentions of that's what we want. We're looking for a flip house or basically a rental. And does your property fit one of these methods? And just kind of feel that out, feel the conversation out of, no, I want, I want two ninety five right now. And like looking it up on Zillow, and it's like the the houses, the comps are, you know, two ninety six. <laughs> you know, <laughs> feeling that, feeling that out, and seeing through conversation quickly: is this a listing, or is this somebody who actually wants to sell their house? based on the things I said, because a motivated person like, oh yeah, this would be perfect. We need some carpet and paint and all this kind of stuff. And they'll tell you and try to sell you on the, the perspective of, yeah, my house might be a great candidate for you. Hmm. So you're telling them your intentions, the options that they have, what you offer, and yep. then you're seeing if they're going to sell you on the house. That's really good. Yeah. Because a motivated person will absolutely try to sell you on their property. You know, they'll, the house can be totally falling down, but without fail, this is like a principle of the universe this happens every single time someone will be like the house could be terrible, but they'll say, you know, I just got a new light in the bathroom. 
they'll they'll try to point out one good mm. thing about a house that's totally dilapidated and falling down. They'll try to mm. show you something that is good about it because the situation is totally bad, mm. right? Gotcha. When someone does that and they try to justify, then you know, hey, I've got I might have someone who's very motivated. Mm. I love that. Um, you had mentioned, you had mentioned kind of systems and process created training for follow-up for, um, Madison. Is that yeah. your acquisition goes? Name? Yeah. Is there any, any systems or process, any training specifically that you're making for her for this transition? Yes. So now that we've, I see that she's a very serious person. She's done some stuff with us, done some deals. She knows what she's done. She gets to come to our office a couple of days a week now cool. and she gets to sit next to me and uh, ask a lot of questions and so she gets to run deals by me but i put a lot of work back on her and i'm forcing her to fail her way forward hmm. and i say you know what as long as you are trying you're calling people make mistakes but just do you know just just talk to people call them and then if you say hey i said this to somebody then i might say hey i don't say that but say <laughs> this don't say it that way but do this not hmm. in a hey no 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 kind of a way but a way of Hey, here's how we're gonna we're gonna do it this way instead, and that is mm-hmm. so much better uh, when she gets to sit next to you, see what you're doing, and the learning curve for somebody to to jump into this business is quite big. No matter what YouTube has told you, the learning curve on the in the business is quite big, and it takes people a long time to get confident on talking to random strangers and convincing somebody to sell their house for pennies on the dollar. So mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, and and just having that conversation is so out out of most people's norm, and just just it's just repetition. It's just repetition. Talking to people, talking to people, talking to people, and the more you do that, the better you will get. That's it's good. probably a lot more confident too. Yeah, and just have it's confident conversations with sellers, and that is kind of the primary goal. Is I want to get her to be able to have confident conversations, and I do not. I don't care how she does it. I just. The way to do it is just get on the phone and just hmm. over time, you're going to learn how to have confident conversations by having conversations. You're going to yeah. say a lot of crazy things in the between, but just do it. Just do it. That's the best advice I could ever give somebody is have a lot of conversations. Dude, so there's uh, on, on that topic there, Deborah uh, put a really good comment in here, said I've had several leads that were in my lap um, and having given up on them and let them sit because my inexperienced nerves, most of them were in other States. She's in California. So kind of talking about the confident conversations part of it. Mm -hmm. um, What are some things that some people can do in, in the Deborah can do if, if they don't have a lot of experience in doing the thing, and this Mm -hmm. is going to apply guys and gals for anything, right? Like this is kind of funny. So my daughter, my oldest daughter, she heard this, she'd kill me, but my oldest daughter, she's 11 years old. My youngest daughter is seven. Yeah. Seven. And my youngest daughter is insanely physical, right? Like she's in gymnastics and she's like doing all kinds of crazy stuff every night, you know, in the, on, on the floor, just showing us what she can do. My oldest daughter is really risk averse and she's in dance and she loves dance. Um, and they have this dance where they're supposed to do a, a somersault in some way, shape or form across the dance floor. And McKinley, my oldest does not do somersaults. And she's like, afraid because she has dance today and she's like i've got to do a somersault she's 11 years old guys like every 11 year old does a somersault right yeah and so she's scared she's gonna hurt her back and all this kind of stuff and so last night i'm like mckinley you have to you have to envision 
what you're going to feel like when you do the somersault. You can't envision the pain. You can't envision all the reasons why you can't do it. You can't envision that you haven't done a somersault before. And every, er, therefore, all of your, you know, all of your past experiences are feeding into this limiting belief that you have that because I have struggled to do this thing before, I'm going to struggle to do it now. And I said, McKinley, I want you to picture right now, uh, like, what is it going to feel like when you accomplish this? Not if you do the somersault tonight. I want you to tell me what it's going to feel like when you do the somersault tonight. And she couldn't get her mind there yet. I said, okay, well, let me tell you what it's probably going to feel like. You're probably going to feel really accomplished. You're going to feel insanely proud that you did this thing that you are kind of scared of. Um, you're probably going to, maybe your back might hurt a little bit because you might flop over there, but, but you're going to go, you're going to feel like it was worth it. And you're going to now feel that you can confidently step into dance tomorrow and do the dance with your friends. Now I said, now I want you to picture if you don't do the somersault tonight, McKinley, what is that going to feel like? And then she said, well, you know, I'm going to go into dance and feel embarrassed because all the other kids are doing the somersault and da, 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 da. And I said, yeah, how's it going to feel to, to explain to your teacher that you can't do the somersault and you're 11 years old? And she starts to internalize that. And I said, which one of those feelings do you want to feel tonight? And she said the first one. I said, okay, so well, how, what's the way to guarantee you're going to have that feeling? She said to do the somersault. I said, okay, so what should you go do right now? I should go do the somersault. And she literally got up and did the somersault. Like all it was was a mind thing. It wasn't a physical thing. She thought she physically couldn't do it. I had to walk her through and and picture the feeling she would feel on both sides. And so Deborah, that's the first thing I'm going to give advice on, but then I want to, I want to hand it over a bow for the more tactical side of it. But for, so Deborah, if you don't have experience doing that thing, there's likely some fears in there that are coming from your own background that are feeding into it that are not real. You know, McKinley had a fear that she couldn't do a somersault. She clearly could. Uh, what, what she hadn't internalized was how amazing is it going to feel on the other end of that, of doing that thing when you accomplish it? And then also internalizing what happens if I don't do this? How is that going to feel? And so I want you to kind of pull away, Deborah. And in those moments that you can remember not following up on those or giving up on them because of your inexperienced nerves, just ask yourself, is it that I'm not capable of this? The answer is no, you're fully capable. You're fully capable, just like Madison was fully capable and she'd never done it. You're fully capable of it. Uh, The thing is, is you haven't done it before. And I want you to picture what is it going to be like if I don't step into this and if I don't take a chance and if I don't make the phone call or if I don't do the thing that I think is going to get me away from uh, the pain of, you know, whatever you're wanting to move away from. And then flip it to the other side and go, how amazing is it going to feel? Even if I don't get this deal, how amazing is it going to feel when I make this phone call? When I talk to a seller and don't care if we close a deal or not, but I just connect with the person and I start to build more confidence. So picture those two and step into it and start to build that confidence. Don't care if you get the deal with Deborah, just build confidence. Like Bo said, confident conversations, but what, what should someone do to build that confidence in their conversations? Well, you know what, like he said, just do it. Like have those conversations. It's really important. And the only way to to have a good conversation is by having a bunch of bad ones. You know, like there we go. You, you're just going to have to stumble. You know, you're going to have to work your way through it and you're going to have to have conversations. You're going to make some total mistakes. Um, you're going to make some, you're going to say stuff on calls. You're like, why did I say that? Uh, I would, I would just have a lot of those conversations and then realize this. Someone at some point is going, they're going to say yes to you. Like, absolutely. If you have enough conversations, somebody will say yes to you, um, to your offer, to what you're proposing to them. And you know what? And lastly, let me say this is 
you know, you can watch a, a million YouTube videos, you know, until you're blue in the face. You can read every script and memorize everything. But at some level, you have to put your own authentic flair on what you're saying. You have to be yourself. And and just people are attracted to people who they like and trust. And just it. be yourself. Be authentic and be who you are. Don't try to be me or don't try to be Max Maxwell or, or Trevor or somebody else. Try to be who you are. Be a professional person and just love people because we're in the people business. And when you really your your heart loves people and loves talking to them, people know that and they feel that. And uh, if you're an authentic person, they will want to sell you their house many times. And they'll be like, you know what? I don't know why I'm choosing you because somebody else's offer is maybe a little bit better. But I just like you and mm -hmm. just be you. And, you know, just practice, 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 because, you know what? Eventually you will get it right. You know, it just just takes time to do that. And I would just say the best way to do it is just take massive action and stumble forward. I love it, dude. So let me let me break this down really quick. So for anyone who has came in a little bit later, and I know just the nature of the live broadcast, some of you just now saw it and are coming in. What we've done so far in this behind the deal, we have an amazing video at the start. So if you didn't catch the whole thing, and when this is done, go back to this uh, and rewatch the whole start of it. Little start of it, but Bo um, breaks down the deal. He shows Madison and and just that you could tell, dude, that like completely changed her perspective on probably life uh, when she got that check. So, guys, go back and watch that part of it. Uh, we break down where the lead came from. It was a carrot lead from a Google search in a different state. They weren't actually going after this lead. This lead was a what I'm going to call an accidental lead source. And we might do a future episode or something on that uh, later, but uh, we're just going to call accidental lead source today. And um, it was sitting there for a couple of days. Bo probably wasn't going to follow up on it because it was a different state. Found a really eager, amazing gal who showed up to his meetup. So that's a good lesson there too. If you are on the more experienced side watching this, which we have a ton of investors who are the biggest in the market that are Carrot members, maybe look at starting a meetup to become that expert in the area because then she came there started to build trust and credibility with him she started to make phone phone calls on her own leads and then he had these ones he said why don't you call these guided her on it she did close the deal and the profit was it was it a ten thousand dollar profit around there it wasn't a big one but it was solid Sixty-four thousand. this one was yes are you for real why was i way off in the number Sixty-four thousand on this one? Oh my no. gosh dude it was huge whoa was, i was, was way huge. off on that one Sixty-four thousand <laughs> on this one deal guy right. it's like crazy um uh, so that is way cool close it sixty-four thousand dollar profit let me ask you this question bo so because th this i think would be really good for any of those who are more experienced and they're looking to find ways to have the acquisition person or to or to find a, a student to work with yeah. and if you don't want to share this that's totally cool but what kind of a split did you do with with her um and would you do that same split moving forward as a business model for you or not yeah so Here's the here's my business model. I'm fully open to share this stuff. So, after the, the spread was sixty four thousand, I had to have because mm -hmm. we have sold it to a hedge fund. On this particular fund, we had to pay a six percent real estate commission actually to it agents, um, and then I had to pay closing costs. And at the very end, um, the seller was he was a super nice dude, but he was unaware of these tax stamps in Florida, which had never done a wholesale deal in Florida. Like, I think that they. The subsidy for not paying income tax is like stupid high tax stamps. So uh, it was like $5,000 in tax stamps or something silly like that, uh, several thousand dollars. So we ended up netting like 54 or something and change um, roughly after everything was done. 
Um, and so she got 10% of the deal uh, because I provided the leads. I provided everything. I provided the workspace and I gave her 10%, which, you know, it changed her life and enabled her to quit her job. And I would absolutely uh, do that kind of a deal again, right? Who wouldn't do that? But, uh, you know, I'm getting somebody training them. They're going to have the opportunity to get paid, whether it's a huge deal or it's just an everyday average normal wholesale deal. Yep. Um, it's just the experience that you cannot put a number on. And so getting people in there and saying, Hey, I'm going to have you call this group of people for me and just getting, giving them that experience and giving them that list. It could be a list of carrot leads and say, I want you to do it just like this, sit mm. down, show them, let them stumble forward and say, Hey, here's a two hour time block. Call these people, text these people and let me know what happens. Cool. And just got to let go, which is absolutely hard for me. It's like very difficult for me. Like I'm just having to let go, but I'm just like, you know what? I can't grow if I'm going to sit there and micromanage every little thing. So just let go and get somebody in there and let them start doing it. I love it. I love it. Guys, I posted through, if you're watching this live in Facebook and YouTube, I posted through a resource because one of the questions that, that is likely coming up is what do you say to the seller and what are the next steps that you move forward on? things like that. And we do have some really good resources. There's a couple resources we're going to give you today. Um, one on video marketing. And, and I thought as we were going through here, man, we should probably also share the negotiation playbook because uh, closing this deal came from those that that knowledge. Brady, do we have, and I can't remember, do we have yeah. a shorter URL version? Yeah. If you're listening to the podcast, carrot.com slash video for the video marketing playbook, that should pull up. Uh, we have an agent version, investor version. And then for the negotiation playbook, uh, which is super awesome. We got Pace Morby in there, Steve Trang, um, John Martinez, like a lot of their best resources on negotiation. That is carrot.com slash close. Cool. C-L-O-S-E. Perfect. So carry.com forward slash close guys. And we, we did a series on negotiation. Bo was a part of that, that series as well. And this is going to be a big part of making sure that you're taking those carrot leads and turning them into deals. Cause uh, man, I, I've seen so many, so many instances where people figure out the lead part and then they're not getting the close part down. And uh, you've got to get both parts of it down because if you know how to close really well, but you're not getting leads, then let's focus on the lead part and we can help you yeah. with carrot. We have so many amazing resources, but if you're getting leads, not closing them or not closing them at a high rate, you don't need more leads. You need to close more of the leads you've already got. And mm -hmm. so this here with the, the Bo did, he closed more of the leads that he's already got uh, and found a new channel to be able to kind of amplify their impact there. So carrot.com forward slash close C-O-C-L-O-S-E to get the negotiation playbook with all the scripts uh, and the content and the carrot.com forward slash video, which is the video marketing resource um, that you guys can use to really grow your um, video, res uh, your, your results uh, through Google and through YouTube with video. Yeah, a lot of the video that Bo's doing, I mean, those ideas are are in that video marketing playbook. So it's everything from, you know, what kind of videos to shoot for your website, like your about page, what um, what topics do you need to address for sellers to kind of uh, warm up leads or to educate your leads, mm. um, and then your video ideas for you know for marketing for social media. There's 52 ideas in there, so that's really good stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, one thing. Shoot, we're at we're at fifty minutes here. This has been gold. This is probably my my favorite episode so far, Bo. Um, awesome. So yeah, so much good stuff in this one. Um, it's time for the. I feel like we need a sound effect for this, like the, the <laughs> yeah, tips that actually work segment. <laughs> Something great. Um, 
Yeah, we this is a tips that actually work. So every behind the deal, we like to uh, get a little bit even more nerdy and go over something uh, from a marketing perspective, from something to do with your website uh, that you can do, you know, uh, really quick and and just um, yeah, so a, a little quick tip that actually works. That's the whole idea. And so one of the things uh, I want to talk about this week, which this is a little bit more uh, theoretical, a little bit more educational, but is um, Trevor, I wanted to know if you could share with the audience, um, landing pages versus location pages. Uh, what are they, what do they make sense? Um, when does it make sense to use one or the other? And I can, I can pull up Bo's website here, but, um, I bring this up cause you and Bo are running PPC ads right now. And so I thought it might be, uh, kind of good for viewers to see like, where are you guys sending traffic to? You're driving everybody to a homepage driving everybody to a landing page, um, kind of what's the strategy there. And yeah. So if we could look at landing pages and see, you know, why do you need one? Why do we use them at Carrot? For sure. So, just a homepage. Yeah. So what, what, what I'll do is I'll kind of walk through at a high level the, the strategy here. So years and years ago when Carrot started, y'all, we used to be a landing page driven system. So like 2013, 2014, uh, we were having everyone drive all their paid traffic to landing pages and we weren't really sure what we were using the homepage for. And then, so then what we said is we said, well, the homepage and your what we call location pages, and I can show you guys a couple examples, uh, are really about the SEO side of things and are really about attracting new traffic through Google Organic. And then once someone lands on your website about building trust credibility, rapport, and then driving them through that customer journey, you know, to be able to become a lead and a client. Uh, landing pages, though, are usually a page that you launch that you're going to specifically probably use them more on paid ads uh, is what we're, what we're really finding. And originally, that's what we did. But over the years, we said, well, what if we can make the homepage the landing page where you drive all the traffic to it, no matter if it's SEO or paid traffic from Facebook or Google or whatever. And that's worked amazingly well over the years. One thing we are finding, though, in our data as of late, as of this past six to 12 months, is with some channels like Facebook ads and sometimes Google, depending on the market, we're finding that if you drive people to a landing page with not a lot of navigation, it's actually performing pretty darn good, sometimes better than driving to the homepage on mobile. Now, the homepage still works better on desktop. Uh, the homepage still works way better on, on SEO because someone's in the searching mode. They're in the mode in the mindset of I want to absorb as much information as I possibly can. I'm searching. Uh, but if someone's on Facebook, they're not in the searching mode. They're in the, the impulse mode, right? And so that's where we're finding that landing pages, which don't have a lot of navigation, I can show you guys a, a version of it. Actually, Brady, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll share it right here. Go for um, it, man. And this is one that we're testing right now. And actually, let me pull this out as its own page. And so I'll describe what, what I'm, what I'm uh, showing for everyone on the podcast version. But what I would encourage everybody to do is if you're on the podcast version, uh, go to YouTube and find our Behind the Deal playlist. Go to Facebook and find us and follow us on Facebook and subscribe, subscribe on YouTube. So this right here, y'all... Um, Bam. I don't know if I did the right share there for you guys. If you want to do a different one where we're off to the side, that would be sweet too. 
so this right here is a landing page. Um, this is very simple. It's ugly. It doesn't look great. Uh, this actually came from uh, testing from other partners and clients of ours as well, where they said, man, we've been using this really successfully on the Facebook side of things uh, versus driving straight to homepage. And so we said, well, let's test it even more. And so you can see there's a very simple logo uh, on mobile on a mobile device. It's really, really simple. You know, there's not much to do other than submit the information on their property there. And like I said, this is working pretty darn good for Facebook traffic specifically because the mindset that a Facebook person is, they're in the impulse mindset. They're not in the information gathering mindset as much. And so it's got just a little bit of information, some credibility, submit your property. They click this, yeah. up pops the box. Okay. So now the home page now, yeah. you know, here, here's just an example. You can see there's a lot more opportunity for someone to click around. And this is when the person's in the information gathering stage. This works great for Google ads. This works great for um, Google organic search, things like that, where they're wanting to see testimonials, see videos, see the whole thing. Okay, last thing is location pages. Location pages are actually, it's a traffic strategy. Okay, a location page is a traffic strategy to attract more traffic to you. And so you might create a page like in Clarksville or, you know, if, if we were to look at some of our other care client sites, you're going to have a page specific to each location that you're in, just like Zillow. You know, Zillow, Zillow has a page specific to every single city, every single neighborhood. And those are the things that actually rank in Google because they're hyper specific to that area and to that search. So that's the high level homepage is for trust, credibility, really driving that decision. Location pages are pages you would set up very specific for locations or niches uh, for your buyers or sellers to get them ranked in Google. You can even drive your paid traffic from Google ads to that. Landing pages are something you might use um, for Facebook ads, test it on Google ads, and we're going to be rolling out some good guidance as we go as well. I love it. Thanks for sharing. Cool. Well, everybody, that wraps this episode of Behind the Deal. Any other comments, questions, Bo, any last words? Man, you know what? If you're new or you're just listening to this, even if you're, if you're not new, you've been doing this for a long time, always remember that the people who are the very best in any business, and you know this business as well, they're just the best at the basics. You know, mm -hmm. the best who are the people who are really, really awesome. They're brilliant at the basics and do the little things. Well, like do the, the, the details that are the core, the bread and butter of our business, talking to sellers, talking to buyers, having lots of conversations, do that extremely well. And it will be hard to fail. Mm. Mm. Love it. That's awesome. That's great advice. I love that. Um, I love that advice you guys were giving out Trevor about, um, you know, kind of how regret can be one of the biggest motivators, like what put yourself in, uh, in the shoes of your future self, I guess you might say, like, how much are you going to regret that? That's a, you know, fear can be a really powerful, healthy motivator sometimes. Dude, you got awesome. yeah, you got to tap into the emotion, right? I mean, I, I think it's important for all of us and this gets mushy gushy kind of as, as we, as we close this up. But if, if we ever hit a spot y'all where, where there's fear, if you ever hit a spot where, man, you're just not sure what you need to do next or you're afraid of the next step. And oftentimes it's because of past experiences or feeding into that fear. Um, just ask yourself those questions. Like I said, it's like put yourself in the emotional state. What am I going to feel like after I go and do this thing I'm, a, I'm scared of? And, and how is it going to feel? Uh, am I going to be proud of myself? How is that going to feel? And then put yourself on the other shoes too. If I don't do this, how is that going to feel? 
what am, what am I going to think about myself? What are whatever. And so put yourself in those shoes and that might be a motivator for you. Like it was with my daughter last night. <laughs> and it was kind of funny, man. So she did that, that somersault and she ended up doing like 20 in a row and she's all smiling. You can just see the, you can see the, just how proud she was bursting out while well, her six-year-old or seven-year-old sister literally did 120 cartwheels in a row the night before just to do them in front of us, like just to do them. And so she was so proud. She got up and showed my wife. Uh, she showed the other kids. They're all cheering for her. And so that feeling came to fruition. And I took her, grabbed her by the shoulders. And I looked at her and said, McKinley, I said, just know what you just did there. It might not seem like a big deal that you just did a summer or you just did a somersault, right? Uh, but I want you to take this feeling and anything else you're scared of. I said, is there anything else you're scared or nervous of in your life that you can think of? And she said, yeah. I said, do the exact same thing with those other things, McKinley, you're going to be unstoppable. And she was like, her face <laughs> this just opened up for her. It was cool. No, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Thanks for sharing, man. So go do more somersaults. If you're scared to do it, so let's get on the phone. Just do somersaults. As a fully grown adult, everything will be okay. That's right. Uh, we're not physical trainers. This is not legal advice. Please don't actually do that. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. If you want to learn some of the stuff that we talked about in this episode, um, we have a 30-day challenge. Go check it out, carrot.com slash 30. If you want to go dive even deeper on how to launch a website, how to run paid ads, do what Bo's doing, uh, get your mindset dialed in. We have a 30-day challenge where Trevor walks through all of that day by day, kind of holds your hand, guides you through the whole process. So go check it out. Um, that's my pitch. And hope to see you guys in a couple weeks for the next Behind the Deal. Catch the rest of them at carrotcast.com. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all awesome. next time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man.